0: Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do this podcast, and you're going to listen, and you're going to stay on the line, and you're not going to interrupt, and you're not going to speak for any reason. Now, some of this, you know, I'm going to start at the top of the podcast. Welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode 62. I am Nick, the uh, committed engineer of this podcast, and I am joined as ever by Roger,
1: Also the committed engineer of this podcast. The
0: even more committed, in fact, the one who actually knows Let's not
1: talk about the should-be-committed part of that. (laughs)
0: Um, This is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other tech innovators as masterpieces. Um, Year by year, we are in 2004. And we are discussing the Cheap as Chips... Um, Shane Carruth film Primer
1: Yeah, reported budget of $7,000 which is even less than El Mariachi
0: (laughs) It is about the cost of a second hand car which is, um, it's got to be the cheapest film we've watched so far Probably, yeah I can't think of, yeah It's got to be one of the cheapest films that had a cinema release in history So this is um, to summarize, this is um a couple of um, uh, tech guys who work, I never quite work out where they are i think it 's somewhere on the west coast california, um, but they are clearly um, work for well, large. One, tech-
1: one of those places i mean there there are places uh, in in the American South which are similarly you know we we want to foster tiny little
0: companies that might come up with the next big thing yes, and this I, I think it was filmed around Dallas, which is probably roughly where it 's set as well um, yeah but it's um a uh, a small tech company and a couple of um engineers who, while trying as far as I can tell to work out a way of affecting the weight of an object, accidentally discover a method of time travel
1: yeah it's not not even that to start with i mean they they're looking at the superconduction uh, trying to produce a room temperature superconductor, which would obviously yes. have a lot of implications yes um. But, but yeah, it's this is a famously complicated film.
0: It's, I think fair uh, well, to say. so the reason I suggested that it, Mulholland Drive uh, casts a long shadow over a Ribbon of Memes because um, <laughs> I suggested this um, as now cards on the table. I knew this film and I was a, a big fan of this film before. Uh, ribbon of Meme, so it slightly breaks one of our rules of watching a film that we haven't watched before. But I, I Well, at wanted... least
1: one of us hadn't seen it before, and this time it was
0: I. That That's fair enough. Um, I, I think our summary feeling of Mulholland Drive was that it was a great big puzzle box with nothing inside. Um, uh, oh, that's one of our summaries. I mean, we said other things too. And I wanted us to have a film that was a puzzle box that very much had something inside that had some meat to it. Um, now, I
1: think it's fair to say there is at least one guy on IMDb uh, user reviews who reckoned that this is essentially the same thing. You know, it, it, it's made up to look extremely complicated and there is no centre to it. I don't agree, and we'll talk about why we don't agree. But let's, yes. let's just say that you know we we, tr- we try to remain at least mildly humble.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, that, on this that channel was... that we utterly control, <laughs> uh, we're going to have some uh, at least faux humility. Um, uh, so, uh, what uh, is interesting about Primer, aside from its absolute cheapness, is um, that it. Um, what I like about... Well, okay. I, I'm, I'm going to get too carried away because I'm going to gush about Primer. But um, <laughs> it's... Uh, I, I've sort of stopped fairly early on in the, in the summary about... Um, and again, spoilers abound, um, uh, as ever with our podcast. I stopped fairly early in the summary because quite after about... After time travel is discovered, um, there's some playing with the implications of it. And then quite quickly, the film... And the characters descend into great confusion um, mm. as, as to what is going on and what has happened and why this is happening. Um, and there are points in the, char- in, in the film where the characters realise there is no way they can possibly understand why this thing would happen. And that terrifies them as engineers. And, um that appeals to me greatly in the sense that basically what it sort of implies is that the human brain is just not really capable of dealing with the implications of the loss of cause and effect. Um, hmm. and, and the film gets very confusing and yet I do feel there is an explanation that makes sense. Um,
1: well, yeah, I mean, I, everybody had told me that this was a, very confusing film yes and i've got to say it was really not the tangle that i expected i mean (laughs) there's some stuff that we just don't get told yes i mean that there is a particular point where i'm pretty sure it's suddenly four days earlier but there is essentially no signifier of that on the film but you know in terms of what we do get i think we it, it makes as much sense as it can make bearing in mind that one of the points is that causality is breaking down and things are stopping making sense.
0: Yes, yes. Another another point of confusion, yes, one is that things happen not only with the characters not understanding how it happened, but also understanding there is no possible way they can ever understand how it would happen. Another point of confusion is the fact that we end up with... Uh, doubles, effectively. We have characters mm. who have, uh, who have doubles of each other, and, um, aside from one of, uh, so these characters are Aaron and Abe, and Abe is, I guess, the more clinical, um, and cautious engineer type, and Abe is the slightly more. Again, these are well-drawn characters, so I'm uh, to...
1: you, you just said Abe twice, I feel I should.
0: Oh, sorry, so Aaron is the... Uh, well, the, uh, this is a confusing film. Aaron is the uh, the more impulsive um, and, hmm. uh, again, I'm exaggerating because these characters are... We'll talk about the the way they're characterised and the way they're filmed, but... Um, But aside from one of the Arons, um, who is basically characterised by wearing a hoodie, so you can tell which one he is, the others are... There's really, at any given point in the film, it is very hard to tell which one, unless Mm. you have sat down and worked out which Aaron and which Abe... Are being involved at any particular point, um, sure, and that's one of the sources of confusion as well.
1: And I imagine giving them names that start with the same letter <laughs> doesn't help.
0: <laughs> you think they'd at least be Aaron and Bill, so you can do a, a classic AB physics effect. Um, okay, so what were your? So this is, a, as we've said, a very cheap film. Uh, I mean, I've I've spent more than this in one go uh, and not produced a work of um, work of film like this. Um, uh what was your initial impression? does this f- feel like a cheap film?
1: um There are places where it does okay. um the the point where uh they they're getting some custom components made, and this is obviously yeah, this is a light industrial facility where where one of our, one of my friends works, and we got we got to film with it <laughs> for five minutes.
0: Yes I Things mean, we like should that. Say but so- on
1: the other hand its it is supposed to be a light industrial facility where one of their friends works, so it looks very authentic.
0: Yes I mean this is a milieu of um uh middle class houses parking lots and um industrial estates um so the, yeah, the, the, the I mean it's
1: very easy difficult. for a, for a small budget film to outrun its budget just by trying to make stuff look better but mm. since they had available you know, the the story is set in the sort of place they had available so yeah you, there there's lots you know the way a cheap science fiction film will, will often say, oh, this is the inside of a spaceship or something, yeah. and you've got three things, because that was all they could afford to put on the wall.
0: Plan 9 from Headspace. Uh, yeah,
1: but you. also Silent Running. Um, yes, yeah. And There's here we say, that. okay, well, you know, this, this is the inside of our workshop, this is the inside of a storage unit, whatever. It all looks authentic, because it is authentic.
0: These people work in a garage for the most part. Um, yeah. Because you know, famously, that's how a lot of tech innovation, tech innovations, came about. Um, uh, I also, uh, you know, one of the other savings is these are, by and large, not actors. Shane Carruth, is the uh, who plays Aaron. Uh, wrote the film. He he is um, cinematographer, an editor, yes, etc. Uh, sound mixer. Um, basically, basically, it's his film. Um, and then his friends and family, for the most part, play the rest of the characters. Um, I not I haven't really looked into the character who plays Abe, but I don't think he was a professional actor before. Mm. Now, as I understand it, one of the reasons that Shane Cruz did that, um, aside from uh, money, was that he struggled to find actors that could talk technical, in, in a technical way, in the way that techies talk to each other. Um, Mm,
1: And I've got to say, that does feel very authentic.
0: Now, you may have been around more of these people than I have, but it feels very authentic to me. I mean, they're just throwing around acronyms and physics and engineering concepts and uh, in no way attempting to explain what they're talking about. Um, Mm. But in a very mundane, workmanlike way that just feels very real to me.
1: Uh, just to come back, uh, David Sullivan, who who plays Abe, uh, has been in a bunch of stuff since this. This is his first acting role.
0: Okay, okay. So I don't know if he was a friend or family, but it it, it was his breakout role then. Mm.
1: Well, it was his first role. So, well, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: uh, and ba- basically, when when Primo was a success (minor spoiler), uh, yeah. he, he decided uh, I actually quite like doing this. I'm going to move to Los Angeles and. And be an actual full time actor so yeah
0: well good luck because that's, that's that doesn 't look like a, um, a, a fun way to spend your life but i 'm glad he 's got more work off the back of it um, so yes, I was talking about the the fact that these techies talk like actual engineers talk mm. is that fair to say I mean you know the, yeah
1: um, they 're not always sympathetic but i 've met people like this i 've been people like this yes um, the in particular the shorthand because you know in, in, in a standard bit of film dialogue, you have the, as you know, Bob scene, you know, so say, so, right, yes. now we, we say, so even if it's done competently, it might be something like, right, we've, we've got to get this superconductor working in the next two weeks or we're going to run out of cash or something like that. Yes. And they, they never say that because
0: no.
1: the characters all know it.
0: Yes. And they all, uh, none of them need shorthand or none of them need basic engineering or even advanced engineering complex ex- concepts explaining.
1: Um, I mean, all right i As a science fiction fan and general physics fan, I do know what a Feynman diagram is and what it looks like and i I know <laughs> what they're talking about there, so th- this yes. is not a new concept for me, and I'm sure
0: this helps uh i mean there is there's uh, the the closest it comes to an expedition is when they understand that what they've created is a time machine, and then we mm. have Aaron actually writes it down and 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 tries to understand that if you spend x amount of time in here. And if you have a sentient being that actually can choose which entrance to go out of, then you may be able to emerge four hours earlier or whatever mm. than four hours later. Um, and I, it, it is. I, I thought that scene was well done. It didn't feel dumbed down, and I, I think you kind of believe it can because Aaron is uh, struggling with the enormity of the concept. But none of them ever quite say time travel or explain it in quite that way. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, uh, you know, the exposition, uh, it, I, it certainly didn't lose me at that point, the film. Um, I mean, I, I am not uh, your level of <laughs> intelligence, or so it, it took me uh, a number of watches to really understand what was happening. Well, but I, I, I liked it from the outset. I think
1: the thing is, I mean, I, I had not read a plot synopsis, but I did have at least a vague idea of what I was getting going in. So yes. that's a, that certainly helped as well. I mean, the, there are definite practical difficulties um you you will not you never actually see somebody actually, you yeah know, you see them getting into the box or getting out of the box yeah you never see what you might call the time travel happening no and you know, consider you, know, you you are getting into a box and it is about to send you back in time, yes. Is there a body of you in that box, brackets going back in time that you merge? But you see it going forwards in time that you merge with. You know, do you lie down into it? Um, uh, Feynman points out that this would, in fact, be antimatter, so that could be a bit embarrassing.
0: Well, that, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, you, uh, they they make sure they clear out of the way and they set these machines on a timer because the last thing they want to be around do is be around when they turn the box on because, effectively, that is the moment that. The time traveler emerges from the box at that exact moment
1: yeah but the the problem is to to me at least yes. that your your own body yeah you know, when, when you arrive in the past your your own body is going forwards yes. because it just came backwards, You've and you to have, have to have separate one version yourself of from it
0: going backwards and one version of you going forwards um yeah uh, I, and, and that yes
1: that that feels as if it's not quite as fully worked as it might be,
0: but i, I mean it's not yeah. because you know frankly time travel doesn't work as far as we understand it with physics and so uh, as far as the concept of time travel works yes there, there are um uh because i want to talk in in some way because i what i like about this film though is it encourages that kind of because it because it is um realistically or at least believably done to the point where you've really all right it really triggers my geekness to really pick out, well, where wouldn't that work? And I I have Mm. some problems with the concept of how Paradox works, or appears to work in the film. Um, But I have to say, it's probably one of the best thought out uh, that aside, and as you say, there are some niggles, because frankly, time travel doesn't work. Um, Mm. uh, it, It still strikes me as the best thought out version of time travel I have ever seen. Um uh, and I like uh, on on the screen um and I like how we're we 're given the parameters quite clearly, um but there 's a lot of fuzziness as to well what will happen if this, because frankly the characters don 't know mm. they they don 't understand what the laws of time travel are they're, they're and the, the thing
1: I particularly liked and it to some extent subverts the conventional approach to a story mm. is they are well they are still thinking, should we use this? Can we use it safely? Yes. It is, in a meta sense already, the case that somebody is using it and not using it
0: safely, and in fact it's them. It (laughs) is is
1: too late for them to make that decision.
0: Yes. Already, by the time they've invented it, uh, or by the time they've built the box that you can put a person in... um, causality has already gone up the 20 because one of mm. them at that point has already, well, in fact both of them already have activated the failsafe device and gone back to before that time happened. Um, and they're that, working
1: to some extent against each other at that point. Yeah,
0: Yes. and it. Well, I, one trick that the film pulls that, I don't know, felt like a bit out of left field and I couldn't quite keep up with the implications of that, but it's revealed to I guess towards the end. This is a very this one of our shortest, maybe our shortest film. It's like seventy five minutes, I think. Yeah, and
1: I must admit, it's a real relief. I mean, yeah, I've enjoyed other other films that are longer, but it's really nice to see a film that says, "Right, this is what I've got to say," and I've said it, so I'm going to stop now.
0: And I'm done. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's no. I, I mean, that's probably budgetary in some sense, that they, they just didn't have any money for anything else. Um, but sorry, I've distracted myself from the, it wasn't quite a cheap trick, but a, a, a curveball is that you can actually carry a time machine through the time machine, mm. uh, which is how you can end up with two fail safes and not one. Um, uh, I found that a, a slightly, Mind-blowing concept that was that was like that was sort of thrown away in a in a, over in a narration at the beginning uh, halfway through the film that, hmm. it, that I, that's when it once that happens that's when it really starts to get confusing for me because then I struggle to think wait well which box did he get into and where did that was that a fake box then was that not the actual fail-safe? so that's where it really started to get confusing for me I I didn't resent it but I found it was a bit rushed. Um, Well,
1: similarly, there's a certain amount made of... They're obviously suffering some sort of progressive uh, nervous system degradation. mm. And that never really goes anywhere either.
0: No, I I like the fact that they don't understand what's happening to them. Like, Mm. they, they suddenly can't write properly anymore. And I've heard... I've read internet suggestions. that's partially because they both put their hands in the field at some point and now their hands are out of sync with the rest of them i do i I like the fact that they don't understand it um in fact, a huge part of this film is that they um they're um scientifically brilliant um but in a really mundane, dull way. If mm. that makes it, they're not yeah, like they're, they're,
1: they're not philosophers. No, they're, they're and, not even science fiction readers. No, <laughs> they, and, they don't have the. They they haven't done the thought in advance.
0: Exactly. They've suddenly been given this this huge time travel this this concept that has you know excited minds for thousands of well yeah thousands of years probably, and they uh, automatically use it to try and make money, and and don't really. They think through the concepts in a very mechanical engineering way. In no way do they stop to think about ethically, philosophically, what might be happening here.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they don't have any habits, I think, of philosophical thought or ethical thought. It hasn't been needed in their lives so far. No,
0: so they're they're just kind of ethical... I I
1: can't help noticing um, quite a lot of dedicated techies find themselves drifting into extreme political views. And I think that's a similar thing, you know, particularly if you grow up white and reasonably well off, it's very easy to think we could change the system completely and everything would
0: basically be fine. Yes, and not realising other people have... uh, Yes, have have spent much more time. Ethics and philosophy and morality are not... uh, They're not just... (laughs) they're not just engineering problems for you to solve and other people spend their lives looking at those in the same way that these guys have spent on, on physics. And, and Mm. I think it was a, uh, again, another thing I appreciate about this film is it it feels like a very realistic portrayal of, of people like that who kind of think they're clever enough to work out all the problems here. Um, and they're not because no, you know, it's possible the human brain isn't able to do that. Um,
1: Well, even without considering that, um, they just don't have all the information because they don't know how many actors there are.
0: Yes, and as you say, right, from the moment they use the time travel machine... uh, they're already beyond understanding what's going on because one or both of them is, <laughs> is not who they claim to be almost immediately because they've already used the machine. One mm. of my favourite scenes in the film is the, the mo So they hide themselves away in a hotel because they're terrified about creating a paradox. Mm. So they don't want to interact with the world at all. Um, uh And Aaron uh, gets a phone call uh, in one timeline forgets to turn it off and gets the same phone call in another one mm-hmm. and as far as they can tell they just broke the laws of physics they just broke causality but they don't know they're not quite sure because they don't well quite... we're still here yeah exactly the world didn't end do you and one of them's like do you feel all right yeah i feel okay <laughs> and <laughs> i just i love that they are discovering the laws of time travel as they go along mm. and they don't understand them. It doesn't make any sense to them. And I just, that to me kind of sums up the film really, that they, they, despite thinking they know what they're doing, they balls it up. And, it, they don't understand what just happened. Did something just happen? Did they just change history? They don't know. And that's, that's where the film takes you really. You end up in their position that you don't you don't really understand what's happening. Another of my favourite scenes in the film is when a random character who's only just been mentioned, who is the... Um, I think he's present in one scene for one second as a uh, the, the father of a potential girlfriend for Abe, um, just turns up, obviously has time travelled, mm-hmm. and they don't understand why or how, and the moment when they really get scared is when they understand... There is no possible way they'll ever understand how or why he got in the time machine. They are just adrift now because they don't understand causality anymore. And so they're at a point where uh, things can happen from the future that will no longer happen, and they'll never understand how they happened in the first place.
1: I think that the key dis- dis- distinction for me is that this is not David Lynch in Holland Drive saying, I know what's going on, and, and you, ca- you can't work it out, ha-ha. Yes. Th- this is Carruth saying, I don't really know what's going on either, because it is unknowable, and I'm depicting the situation in which it is unknowable.
0: Yes, yeah. And you, you see the realisation that they're in that sort of situation sort of descend horribly on these two characters that are used to understanding more than everyone else in the room. Mm. Um, so I, I I just... For those reasons, really, I like, I, it's just my favourite depiction of time travel ever, that it basically ends up that it's unknowable, and, and they can't understand it, and you shouldn't be pissing about with this stuff, <laughs> really. <laughs> and certainly not to make money. It's It's like... Uh, it
1: is nice to see we in spite of the fact that these guys do some um existentially horrible things they're not they're not villains Mm. um and we don't have Mm. villains and that's really nice to see i mean it it would be very cliched to have you know the third partner who says hey we can make a lot of profit for the company off this and and is all about the profits and hang everything else but they're not doing that
0: no. Yeah, they've, they've,
1: got, they've got a bit of greed, but they're not entirely greedy. They've got a bit of ethics, but they're not entirely ethical, and so on.
0: Exactly, yeah. They don't think they're doing anything wrong, and are they? It's it's, it's not even entirely clear, really. They're just... I mean, they're messing with the fabric of space and time, but they... they, uh, uh, they are
1: you familiar with... I think it's Niven's Law of Time
0: Travel? Uh, I should be. I'm sure I'll recognise uh, it when you say it. The
1: basic, basic idea is... If time travel is possible, and if changing the past is possible, then no time machine will ever be invented, because at some point the past will be changed to a state in which no time machine was ever invented.
0: <laughs> which is, what, again, what they try to do here, or at least what Abe tries to do here. Mm. Um, yeah, OK, well, that makes sense, yes. Um, but it does seem that the past is malleable in some way. Um so yes where it really gets confusing uh, one of my issues with the film um, is that I do feel despite all that despite a huge amount of admiration for it um, I do feel the film is is needlessly confusing at points Um, we are given very little information at all about the party and what happens and Hmm. why it becomes very important despite the dangers to try and change what happens there and I, I, I was left a bit confused given that A, particularly has become extremely worried and has used his failsafe device um, and then meets Aaron who has also used a kind of backup failsafe. Um, why then it becomes a kind of mission for them to, to do this perfect rescue at a party that we... We're given very little information about and don't quite understand it. Did you? Did
1: I, I think we don't get information about how it went before they started screwing with it. Yes. Uh, in and part that is because that deliberate. future no longer exists.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think we found out about it the same time Abe does, where his, his colleagues just come in and go, uh, where's Hero? And he's like, who's, what, who's Hero? Um, so I didn't mind that so much, but there comes a, there comes a point where, they're discussing fixing this party and I'm not sure why Abe has agreed to it Mm. or quite what is so important about getting this right what's Aaron going to get out of it fixing this kind of basically uh, I think it's Abe's potential girlfriend is threatened by her ex-boyfriend with a shotgun and Aaron basically wants to fix it perfectly so that the offender goes to jail. And nobody so,
1: gets shot and...
0: And nobody yeah. gets and basically wants to make it a perfect moment. And I do feel it's not entirely clear to me, or scared as they are, or certainly as Abe is, hmm. of the implications of time travel, why he agrees to sort of mess about in this sort of way.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: So I, I did find that perhaps needlessly... I... I I feel there's points in the film where I mean, I think the idea of the film is to make us feel as confused as the characters do Hmm. but there are points in the film where we have less information than Abe and Aaron have and and that partly makes it needlessly confusing I think. Well,
1: as I said or potentially will say at the start of this uh, recording (laughs) that there's that point at which they've just jumped four days back and there is nothing on screen to tell you they've just jumped four days back no, which I, I, I think sp- is a shame
0: there's a, there's a uh, I suppose there's a bit where there's a very um it's one of the few kind of broad scenes where we have Abe on the roof of a building mm. um looking out and he sees Aaron down below and it's framed in such a way that it's quite clear that it's happening again, I guess but it mm. yeah there, there are moments where I feel it's deliberately obfuscated I don't I don't want to overdo it, but th- there are other moments that don't quite make sense. But aside from you saying, as you say, there's got to be a double in the box. Or not a double, their own self travelling forward. So what happens? Do they just get in and do they not see the double? So that's one problem. Another problem uh to me is it seems that um the girlfriend's dad, who travels back in time, is particularly affected by Abe in some way because of paradox or something, and it's never quite clear, but Abe is perfectly able to knock his own self out without paradox, and I didn't quite understand uh, quite Mm. what was going on there. The
1: the way I was saying it was that it was meant to be implied that he, he had got significantly closer to himself for a longer period, or something of that sort.
0: Right. Okay. I mean,
1: that, I, the 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 way I see it, that that's what's that is what's causing the nerve damage. It's you know, the extended proximity, not any specific action.
0: I see. Okay. Yes. Um, yep.
1: That said, you know, the film doesn't say. I agree. No,
0: but I appreciate that. I kind of trust the film to have some lore underneath it. And and this is, as we've said a few times now, the principal difference with Mulholland Drive. That I do. I I want to understand this film, and I want to open the puzzle up. Because like, it feels like there is a puzzle there to understand. Hmm. And
1: that's... Well, there's a core that one can understand, um, yes. with without necessarily having all the details, and then, then you can add stuff to that, and, and I, I feel the core is understandable.
0: Yes, I, I agree, and the, to extent the rest is unknowable, there's an explanation for that too. <laughs> um, that it just isn't yeah. knowable. Uh my my other what was my other problem with it is that well, this is a practical problem, right? They both go back in time. They use the fail safe device, so now there's they've got the original Aaron and Abe that they need to incapacitate for four days. So the original Aaron, as far as I can tell, is locked in the loft for four days. Uh, how does he not get out of that sooner? I didn't know what kind of drug has he been given?
1: Oh, uh, they do. They do talk about um, ways of keeping people unconscious earlier when they're when they're talking about how how do you do the travel in the first place. Do
0: you know? Just as I was saying that, I was thinking they do mention that there is this <laughs> thing that keeps you in a state of suspended animation. Um, I'm not sure. Is that? I, I haven't looked into that drug. I'm not aware of any drug that does that personally. But um, I'll <laughs> well,
1: the, the real problem is that even in a, even in a very deep sleep or a coma, you still have to have fluids going in and out.
0: You have essential water losses, which are not. Um, uh, but I suppose four days you could probably cope. Um but I suppose my point, well. You'd, I, you'd want to drip, I feel. My uh, issue and, uh, there is, yeah. is not so much how did they get, it's why are they so nonchalant about, um, being sure that they won't be discovered for four days mm. when their double could escape at any point. And Abe's double is just locked in a bath as far as I can tell. I do, they, <laughs> they, uh, it's slightly glossed over, but I didn't quite and also- yeah, I I
1: feel this is the film not telling us stuff rather than anything yes, again, else, which it's, is not it's, ideal.
0: It's that kind of plot hole where I trust the film to have thought about it, or I trust Shane Caree to have thought about it. My uh, again, wow, well, I'm getting see this is uh, I I like
1: Well, <laughs> I mean that, that is a point. That what we do get, um, for me at least, is, is something that says, Yeah, you can you can actually trust this guy because you you've seen things that he has thought about.
0: He has thought about and explained. And so, yeah. And where, so where,
1: Whereas with Mulholland Drive, it's mystery, mystery, mystery right from the start. I mean, the first half of this film is, frankly, pretty straightforward.
0: It is, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and there's a long-winded explanation of uh, quite... Y- when I say I... so, I watched this film twice for this podcast, but I didn't watch it twice entirely. I started about forty minutes in the second mm. time, so it's only twenty five minutes. Second time, um, yes, you're right. That the first half is all well done and well explained, um, and where it gets confusing, it it makes sense. <laughs> where it's confusing. I
1: mean, really, uh, when the failsafe box appears for the first time, that is where things start getting. woo yeah, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, again, I said I'd wax. I I have got, I have had some problems with the film, but not, um, not huge ones. And as you say, we we kind of trust the the film. We appreciate it's a short film. It doesn't look cheap to me. Um, it looked... Well,
1: there there were, on on a technical note, it it was shot on 16 mil and then blown up to 35 for distribution. Mm -hmm. And I did feel that, you know, sometimes the focus wasn't entirely great. Uh, sometimes the audio is a bit muddy. Yeah, yes. the, these are technical things that you can solve largely with money or by knowing exactly what you're doing.
0: Well, I watch almost every film nowadays with subtitles on uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, sound... Design is not what it used to be for a number of reasons, um, which you can read on uh, Flick Philosopher's website. Um, it links to it um, at some point, uh, but, but consequently, I find a lot of film, uh, a lot of audio, is mumbled, and I, I don't quite mm. understand it. So that 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 is never. Th- a but this was not me. the case in two thousand and four. No, no, that not that's to the same, same extent. extent. But it's one of the films. It, it is actually. Between that and The Wire, which I must have been watching around about the same time, I must say, these are the two films that made me, uh, or the the two pieces of entertainment, which made me um, watch films with subtitles on. Because, Mm. yes, I agree, it is a bit muddied and mumbled. And because, as a viewer, you're desperate to understand what's going on, you really (laughs) want to hear everything they say. This is true. Uh,
1: I was reminded, though, um, remembering Goodfellas.
0: Uh, where there's that
1: scene towards the end where he's talking to, you know, the the cop who can get him out of all this. Yes. And we, we both, I think, got the impression that suddenly this is a guy of a different sort. You know, he is an, he is a, he is a real person, not an actor.
0: Yes. And it turned out he was a real person, not an actor. Yeah.
1: Um, and that is the thing that never happened here. I mean, as, as you say, most of these people are not actors or were not actors at the time. Yes. And so, we, so there's never that contrast. There's never that feeling of, you know, here is the star and there are the extras.
0: Yeah, and I they, think they to,
1: all seem like basically real people.
0: Yeah, and I, it's hard, you know. That's a. I I think to some extent that's because uh, yeah. If he, if there had been a name actor part of this, um, it may have been more successful. Though, I mean, I think it made like half a million um, from a budget of seven grand. Yeah. It, it was, than, and it
1: got a lot of awards and it got a lot of, um, offers for, uh, Shane Carruth.
0: Yes, who then went on. So I, on the strength of this, sorry, of I went in then to watch Looper because he was, um, a consultant on the time travel of Looper. Mm,
1: yeah, and maybe, though, though the stuff he, stuff he suggested apparently didn't actually get filmed.
0: I'm not surprised because Looper makes zero fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, I suppose, I appreciate Looper, sorry, we're not discussing Looper. It lays down the laws of time travel, and though they make no sense whatsoever, um, it does stay true to them. But yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I can imagine the the guy who wrote this looking at that and being like, what? Um, I have, uh, on the strength of being a fan of Primer, I tracked down Shane Carruth's other feature, which is Upstream Colour, hmm. um, which was hard to get, I must say it took me a long time to order the DVD from the States. Uh, uh, It has more of the problem of, I think needless obfuscation uh, and it's more deliberately a puzzle, I think, even than Primer. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I appreciate it, I find it a less interesting puzzle. Um, And I, I started to resent the fact that it's deliberately a puzzle, um, uh, which I, it's not really why I watch films, but I don't I like mean,
1: it it, it's probably a fairly hard sell for us to say that, well, maybe less so for me because I mean, we, we've talked before. I enjoy detective stories and part of yes. the enjoyment I get from that is there is a puzzle here which I get to try to solve before yeah. the answer is given. Um, but that said, you know, I, I do want to be able to trust the author that there will be a solution. That there are detective stories in which there is no solution, and and I I at least find them extremely unsatisfying. So,
0: yeah, well, that's um, yeah. We, I mean, we've talked <laughs> a, a lot about Mulholland Drive, but that's that's ultimately what really pisses me off about it. <laughs> um, uh, I, that, that's it. Upstream Color, there is a solution, and it does make sense, but it's mm-hmm. um, it, it's. Uh I I it's less it's less good, the primer. Um
1: I would like to mention that I, I was very much reminded of uh Steins Gate uh which came after this. Uh it's a two thousand and nine uh, yeah, uh visual novel video game, so yeah, basically okay. a multiple choice thing, uh which was made into the anime series of the same title in twenty eleven.
0: Had quite a lot of um, season. Yes, I've looked into this because you mentioned it off air to me. Um I haven't started watching it, but I probably would like to give it a watch. And I'm not yeah, a fan it, it, of anime generally.
1: Yeah, um I well, I, I feel that anime is such a huge. um It's a format, it's not a genre.
0: Yes, so that's a fair point. I do, I bet there there is the anime I like a lot enough that I. It has to be really good, but you've suggested this, so I'm going to give it a try
1: um i mean it's not the same sort of thing but it, but it has the same feeling of okay we have time travel ish i mean it starts off by sen- sending just uh text messages backwards in time and eventually and later they it, it's sort of trying well anyway <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, e- it weird. has that
1: very much that same feeling of okay we've got this thing how can we use it who else is using it what should we be doing what can we do yes and yeah I, I, I very much enjoyed it so I
0: will uh, uh, I will give it a try for sure um, okay I mean uh, pri- so Primer I uh, one thing I did want to say about Primer is it feels yeah, we've talked I don't know how much we've talked on air about but I uh, uh, Science fiction on in film feels very different to kind of dare I say literary science fiction in the um the concept. Well, say so, so written. I mean written science. Fiction. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's a good way of because the the concepts are often less well thought through and often much more basic. Um, I don't want to say you know a lot of science fiction. A lot of the best science fiction I find is short stories, so it's not so much the length as the degree to which the concept is explored that I find is much more um, interesting generally in written science fiction. Um, Well,
1: I I think pacing is a thing. If I read a paragraph in an SF short story or novel and I think, oh, I didn't quite get that... Mm. Yes, it will break the pacing if I don't go on to the next thing that's happening, but I can stop and think and maybe reread it and say, hang on a minute, didn't that guy say the different thing a little while back? And and so on. And I can slow down and take it at my own pace if I want to. Whereas for most people, and certainly watching something in a cinema, that isn't an option. So, you know, you you get confused by thing A, and then things B, C and D have happened by the time we work out what A was about.
0: Yes. That's that is a very good point because I, I, I you know I've watched Primer probably four or five times at this point, um, probably more than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that is a fair point. That's the that's the filmic equivalent of of going back and reading it again. Um, but I guess well, my
1: al- also I mean if we're watching it on computers, phones, etc., we can jump around, we can change the speed, yes, and so on, and that helps as well.
0: Well, this is not a film I watched at uh, double speed, which um, <laughs> which I have done with some of them. Um, uh, this film feels to me closer to written science fiction than filmic uh, mm. than cinematic yep. science fiction. It, it just it it doesn't dumb it down. It it gives you it gives you what's happening, and it, it doesn't. Um, it's not it's not fast paced, um, but it's not slow. Each scene. Progresses it and certainly towards the end it's uh there's not a lot of wasted minutes. Um I could
1: certainly see it being done as a short story, well, maybe a novella. Um hmm. it could work in that format, you wouldn't need to mu- you wouldn't need to change things around very much, which suggests, as you say, it's yeah, perhaps not a good fit for the filmic medium, and there are certainly a lot of people who said, Whoa, this this is just too complicated, I don't like it.
0: Though it's so, interesting you say that, because as written science fiction, it would probably feel as quite well-trodden ground. Does that make sense? Well, it that's the other problem, yeah. It wouldn't feel particularly original. I but mean, th- this well,
1: is also an exception to the usual generational rule, because uh, I don't know how old Carruth is at this point. Um
0: He looks sort of 30, 40, mid-late 30s, 40s, something like that.
1: Yeah, so he's born born in 72, so yeah. A bit over thirty. Okay, all
0: right. <laughs> Sorry, <Dave.
1: laughs> um, but the, we we've said I think before the the usual generational rule, rule of so, somebody reads a science fiction story w- when he when he's a kid. Yeah. And he then climbs up the studio system, and then when he's in his fifties, he's finally powerful enough to get the film of that science fiction story made. Yes. Uh And obviously, that we've we've got a bit of a shortcut on that. Yeah, because he's he's not doing the have to raise a huge amount of money thing
0: no, though it took him years to edit it together and he nearly gave up a few times mm. um, and uh, maybe I'm, uh, I suppose I'm perhaps I'm being a bit mean as I mentioned that it's needlessly confusing it may simply be that he just didn't get enough footage to make it as clear as he wanted um, yeah Though having seen upstream colour, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I think there is a certain amount of deliberately making it a puzzle more than is necessitated by the nature of the plot.
0: Yeah, I I feel that too, and I I'm slightly irritated by that, but I will forgive it because um, I like it a lot. I mean, I like the hmm. the character as the characters uh, are interesting and believable, and as characterified as they need to be for the story, and no more really. That's my slight issue. They know if they use the failsafe device, that is the end, effectively the end of their life or their family life, um, because they they're going to either they're going to kill the original, or they let them survive in blissful ignorance, and they have to then never talk to their family again. <laughs> um, and they seem to do that for a pretty frivolous reason of this party. Sorry, I've distracted myself. Um, and I, I never <laughs> quite believed why they did that. Uh, but there we are. Sorry. I, I, but I love thinking into the depths of this film. Yeah, so I yep,
1: very, very much agree. Um, from, let's see. Um, I would like to delve briefly into Roger's Urban Legends Corner.
0: Oh, let's hear it. I,
1: and you know what I'm going to Say this about there's a, a, a casual line about you know NASA spent however much on developing a developing a pen that would write in space and the Soviets used a pencil.
0: It's not true. It's really not true. I know. I'm sick of hearing really. this. <laughs> uh, we're both fans of the space programme, and thats I don't know why that became a myth about NASA, but it, it's just not.
1: I mean, A, the space pen was developed by private industry, and both NASA and the Soviets were uh, using pencils and grease pencils and other things, but they got real problems. Flam- uh, graphite dust gets into things and, and causes short circuits. The wood catches fire. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. But, but actually, both NASA and the Soviets bought space pens once they became available. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, that's, uh, that's definitely worth debunking because from an otherwise very thoughtful film, yeah, that was disappointing to see. Um, right, well, um.
1: Is it I a think, masterpiece?
0: Is it a masterpiece? I think we've reached that point. I, I'll go first this time because I've laid my cards on the table already. Yes, I flipping love it. Um, it's a puzzle which, um, I am sucked into you. I will watch it again and again. I will still watch again and again. Now, Um, I, for some reason, I find these unlikable but characters kind of likable, and Mm. I think it's because they're they're realistic and they're not the sort of characters that we've met and just don't want to know anything about. They're just they're people we sort of met and we know, and sometimes we've been those people, Um, and I think. It is a great depiction of a monumentous scientific discovery in a realistic way. In that, that it's particularly so, the
1: way it's a complete side effect from something else.
0: Exactly, it's so bland and so kind of oh okay. I mean, it, it, they try and play it up, like you just say this is the most important thing any organism has ever done. But it's even that is so. Deadpan and blood. it just feels like you know this is probably how it is for most scientific discoveries that it's a mm. side effect and they don't quite understand. It. I so I I love the realism of it. I love the way it's explored and I love what feels to me the, the the truism. I know your mileage may vary, but the truism that if we did invent time travel, we would almost immediately have almost no idea what was happening. <laughs> because it just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so, and to do that for seven grand, I it just is astonishing. It, mm. This is a masterpiece to me for sure.
1: And I will agree. I mean, we, we've saying that there are things that we don't think are done perfectly. Uh, it is not the perfect film, uh, but that's not the standard here. Uh, uh, I think it does it very well. It does, it does a thing that is not often done, trying to do a genuinely complicated story yes. on film. Um has it been widely imitated? Probably not. I mean, I guess Looper would be one thing that yeah, kind of follows on from it. I feel like but... it
0: has any connection to Prime and I don't... Sadly, it has not been as widely imitated as I would like. um I, I hmm. want to see more, uh, more written SF on, on, I don't know, these kind of characters. I don't know. I don't know quite what I want, but more like this, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, I, I would go along with that.
0: There we are. Uh, Well done, Primer. We liked it. Uh, If you are Glantz for Punishment, Upstream Color, if you can try it, it's it's good. I'd recommend it, but it's 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 not quite Primer levels of intrigue. And (laughs) um, I don't know what Shane Caruth has done since then.
1: Um, Uh, He let's see. He wrote. Let's see. It got complicated. Mm. Um, There was a, a. a project, A Topiary, in about 2009, 2010. And various people said, it's great, it's amazing, um, who had seen the script. I think, mm, yeah, by 2013, he's saying, it's the thing I wasted my whole life on. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There is apparently some visual effects test footage of it, uh, visible in Upstream Colour.
0: Oh, really? Okay, I'll have to watch it again. I I must say, I only watched Upstream Colour once. Which may
1: 2014, be- 2015, he talks about the modern ocean, you know, based on international shipping and um, a whole bunch of big names attached to star. 2018, ah, uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, 2020, he posts the entire script on Twitter.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, that's definitely not going to happen anytime soon. Uh,
1: 2019, he says, I'm working on a massive thing and then I will leave film once that's done. And yeah. So and that's that's
0: where we are. Okay. Well Well we'll wait and see, but if he ever does anything like primer again, he will be worth watching.
1: Hmm. So what else is happening in two thousand and four?
0: Where was I? I was uh, a young veterinary surgeon.
1: Eh? Well, uh, possibly a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> not not to mention completely exhausted. <laughs>
0: Well, let's see if I recognise any of this. Uh
1: So, um, at the Academy Awards, uh, the bit the big winner this time is Million Dollar Baby. Um,
0: oh, yeah. I've never seen it, but I know that... Uh, even, I don't know if saying there's a twist is a spoiler, but there's some kind of twist and I know it. So, I've never felt the need to watch it.
1: So, that picked up uh, Picture Director, Actress and Supporting Actor. Yeah, it d- didn't strike me as particularly to my taste, but... Yeah, uh, let's see, uh, Ray, so the Ray Charles biopic. Oh, uh, okay. Which is the the, the one that I think causes a lot of people to say, hang on, this Jamie Foxx guy, he can actually act.
0: Okay, yeah, fair enough. I've never been Um, a huge fan of Jamie Foxx for some reason.
1: So that that gets him best actor in one of the minors. of The Aviator, uh, the Howard Hughes, um, drama. It's directed by Scorsese, which is a strike against it for me, but it does have a great role by, uh, Jude Law's Errol Flynn, so.
0: Oh, I didn't realise Errol Flynn was in it. I, I've always been put off by the fairly mixed reviews, um, because mm. Howard uses stories, fascinating, but I, I've never, never attempted them, and maybe it was the Scorsese angle too. Uh,
1: that's, uh, that got supporting actress and four, um, minor awards. One, one we did consider for this, um, which I still haven't seen and I probably should at some point, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
0: Oh, I like that. Um, I do like that. Kate Winslet <laughs> is phenomenal. Uh, and Jim Carrey playing the straight role, uh, which, you know, Jim Carrey can act! exclamation mark, I, I
1: find him insufferable when he's being comics, so. Yeah,
0: I, you, I think you would be, sub- well, I don't know, I've said that before. <laughs> um, but he is, a <laughs> great yeah, guy right. in this one. Um. Hmm. I'd recommend it, but it is, um, uh, is it Charlie Kaufman again? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah, well, I like it. So.
1: And the, the other one on the, in the big six is, uh, sideways, sorry, big eight, uh, which gets adapted screenplay.
0: Oh, is that the, the wine drinking one?
1: Yeah. Middle aged white men do a road trip.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I saw it. It's okay. I don't know why it got such huge acclaim, but it's all right.
1: And, uh, The Incredibles.
0: Oh now that's a good film. That's one of the best the superhero films ever, so fair enough. I've not <laughs> seen the Incredibles two though. I probably should, but Yeah.
1: Uh at the box office. Yeah.
0: Don't depress me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ocean's twelve. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Okay. Well, we've talked about Steven Soderbergh, but um ugh. There was an Ocean to 13 as well, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, Um 12 is, is the slightly weird one. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go to Europe and then do weird hijinks. Um Julia Roberts will play a parody of Julia Roberts. But unfortunately she's one of two women in the entire thing and the other one isn't there much either, so.
0: You're not selling it, not because of Julia, we really like. In fact, the one thing I liked about uh, Mary Riley was Julia Roberts. Um
1: but. Yeah, uh, yeah, this, this is not one of her good roles. Okay. Uh, th- there's a re- review of that on my blog, but I was yeah, didn't love it. Okay. Um, number nine, Shark Tale. I believe I don't know if there was a sequel to that. Um, Probably.
0: That's an animated thing, isn't it? It is.
1: It is animated. Uh, di- yeah. Produced and distributed by DreamWorks.
0: Uh, okay, because we do have DreamWorks Plus, we have Disney Plus in our house, so <laughs> <that's why laughs> I haven't watched it 180,000 times.
1: Uh, but it does It does, in fact appear that there wasn't a sequel
0: bloody hell
1: <laughs> uh, number 8 uh, Troy
0: Wolfgang oh. Petersen d- does... was that Wolfgang Petersen? yeah me. now this fell victim apparently to the same that one of our previous discussions uh, Master and Commander did that it was trying to be a historical epic when people didn't want historical epics no hmm. more I don't know that you could call Troy a historical epic personally, but there we go. Um a mythic epic, perhaps. Um I've never felt yeah. any desire to watch it.
1: I'm moderately interested, mostly because Peterson, but um I but, mean,
0: he, yeah, he, we we've do, made a lot we of films. Do like Peterson, but um I don't know, is Brad Pitt Achilles in it? Something like that.
1: Yeah, it's Brad Pitt and Eric Banner. Uh,
0: I just I Witch. don't I, yeah. I tell you, I I've been, I I it may be that 300 casts a long shadow, because it's such an awful... <laughs> I'm sorry, Frank Miller, but you're an awful person. <laughs> um, I, I did like The Dark Knight Returns, Once Upon a Time, but 300, jeez. Jeez. I mean, don't mention the 10,000 other people that are involved there. Just the 300 spots. Anyway.
1: Uh Number seven, uh Meet the Fockers, which is a sequel oh. to Meet the Parents. And, <laughs>
0: I told you yeah. not to depress me.
1: Uh, number six, okay, here's one I have actually seen. It's a bit okay. rubbish. Um, <laughs> the day after tomorrow.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, the the US East Coast freezes and hero, heroism happens.
0: We have to do climate change, but let's do it as a disaster movie and we can't do that unless it happens immediately.
1: Yeah, uh, Roland Emmerich without Dean Devlin for a change. I, th- I think they'd had had a bit of an argument at this point. And yeah. yeah, I mean the the book it was based on was co-written by Whitley Strieber, so you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, have I seen? Um, is it Contact? Whitley Strieber did no, he did. Um,
1: uh, yeah, that that was his thing. Uh, not not Contact, seen, but uh, uh, he he claimed to have been interrogated and probed and so on by aliens.
0: Yeah, it's not and we'll sue anybody
1: who know. says otherwise.
0: Fire in the sky, maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't... Well, I'm not going to say anything on air in that case. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: at number five, The Passion of the Christ, produced, directed and co written by Mel Gibson.
0: Martin Scorsese, Mel Gibson. I don't, I, I don't know why I'm being down on Martin Scorsese. I flipping love Goodfellas, but um, we, we <laughs> flipping hated um, some of his other stuff. But, yeah, I don't want to see Mel Gibson... Well...
1: Uh, he, he he is producing and directing and co-writing this, not not starring in it. I believe that's
0: right. It's Jim Calziel or something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. No. With
1: Monica Bellucci as Mary Magdalene. I mean, that sounds like a parody right there. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, no. Let's uh, no. Let's. Uh,
1: number four. That, the incredible. That, that
0: was number five. Yeah. Holy smokes.
1: Uh, Number four, The Incredibles. Have you uh, seen The Incredibles, Roger? I have not. I probably ought to. I'm, I'm generally not a superhero fan anyway, so...
0: And, oh, there are some who call it the best superhero film ever, and I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I disagree with them, actually. It's very good.
1: And as a guy who's not a superhero fan, I've been playing an awful lot of Sentinels of the Multiverse recently, so... No. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's,
0: yeah, it's like the actual... You, you know, they did a version of Watchmen, but this is like the proper version of Watchmen. So. <laughs> Alan with come and stab me through the heart for saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: number three, Spider-Man Two. So this is still the same Raimi series. Uh,
0: okay, this is the Spider-Man that wasn't the Amazing Spider-Man that isn't the current Spider-Man. Jeez.
1: Oh, or something. like this track. Or
0: something. Uh,
1: number two. Well, we've run out of Lord of the Rings films, so it's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, okay. Which yeah, I haven't Identity seen any of Harry these. Potter's I haven't read the age books. That-
0: that well. Um, I like the books when I read them but
1: that was true. I, I, re- I read some of the first book and I got to the point where we're, we're, check- we're specifically ticking stuff off, after the, off the child psychology checklist and I have read that <laughs> child psychology checklist uh, yeah. and the number one film of the year
0: um, Wait, what, 2004?
1: Yeah, highest grossing animated film of all time to this oh, date.
0: Really? Uh, was Shrek Gross- 2 Shrek 2 Wow. Well, it's more worthy on there than some of the others, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: That record would be broken by Toy Story 3, which we will talk about in a future episode.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's a better film. Oh, God, that actually made me cry. Um, But a lot of things make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shrek 2 is okay. Well, there we are. That was a depressing top ten list. And Primer is better than all of them, I'm going to venture.
1: So. Yeah, uh, Mary Ann's top ten, uh, which I, I'll put in the show notes rather than going through it, um, the only one that overlaps is Spider-Man 2.
0: Oh, I don't recall ever seeing Spider-Man 2. I probably did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and worst one cannot say.
0: <laughs> well, there we are. Thank you. That will be the end of our time-travelling adventure. Um, but oh, maybe the it, beginning. Yeah, are we are we exiting at the end or the beginning of this podcast? Um, you can always listen to this podcast again if you found it confusing.
1: Backwards, maybe.
0: <laughs> All right, it's not Mulholland Drive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've got to uh, go and get go something to eat. I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. <laughs>